0: Fantastic. Give me a little, uh, give me a little echo chamber when I give you the cue. Just uh, not until then, okay? New development here. And uh, I would like to bring it to the attention of the uh, city fathers. Any city fathers listening out there? <laughs> Hello, city father. Look what you gave birth to. I mean, New York. Good God. Hello, city father. All right, city father. Here's a suggestion. We've all been talking about crime, you know, all over the world. Now, crime is on on the leaps and bounds. It's going up. Well, here's a new development in crime prevention. And it can happen in Sweden, of all places. Yes, Sweden. Thieves burglaring a church in Varina, Sweden, were unbelievably terrified when all of a sudden, as they were pilfering the church, going through the poor box, suddenly a gigantic voice was heard saying, Thou shalt not steal. They fell flat on their face. They laid there quivering for a long second or two. And as they lay there quivering with the sweat pouring out of their faces and their hands still in the till, the voice then went on to say, Repent. Repent of thy sins. sins. Man, they gave up right then and there. They gave up right then and there. So we would like to out to the city fathers that with the growth of the supernatural in our time, perhaps supernatural means can be used to quell the rising tide of lawlessness. Can you imagine down in the sixth precinct, six cops sitting there wearing black robes, burning powdered bat's wings, calling for divine intervention? And one day, of course, it's going to happen other away. I mean, uh, you get the good guys hollering, thou shalt not steal. And all of a sudden, from out of the nether regions, comes a gigantic voice. <laughs> this is this the, is the devil. devil! Give it, give it, give it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to marinate there a little bit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That was real nice. I like that. I like a little Grace. I, I really do. I appreciate No, no, I'm not talking about her. I'm, uh... I'm, uh, you know, I, I like uh, style in life. Little grace there. Uh, that, uh, just a little, a little bit more hurt. That's, that's good. That's good. That's really good. I like classics. That's that's really good. No, yeah, I mean, that's really good. I don't care what Jane Fonda says. A hell with her, it's good. Yeah. Now, look, I know that Ralph Nader called. I don't care what he says. I like it. The hell with him. He's going to start a pollution of the airwaves, so. The only thing we can play and say is stuff he likes. Yeah, bring it up, good. Come on, I don't care. I wonder if they'd worry. You. I sat in with this crowd a little bit here. That's it, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. I like to keep in shape. You know, how did you use Hey, uh, we'd like to uh, bring uh, something out here. That, uh, I know that Jersey's been a little embarrassed about it, but uh, might as well bring it out in the open. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think the truth is uh, maybe hard to hard to accept, but uh, we've got to bring it out in the open. Um, for those of you who are living outside of the New York area, and uh, there are a couple, it's hard to believe there are people living outside of the New York area. Uh, they don't live, actually. Let's face it, they just exist out there, but uh, we'd like to report to those of you who are out there in the darkness, outer darkness, uh, that uh, big excitement was on the Jersey Turnpike the other day. Did you miss that one? I read a note here from the New York Times, that imminent journal, one that's always, of course, on top of the serious stories. Motorists by the score offered their help to clear up a traffic mishap at exit 13 of the New Jersey Turnpike today, but were waved on their way by two state troopers. Shortly after noon, a trailer truck carrying 1,000 cases, cardboard cases, of scotch whiskey in quartz and fifths careened over on its side on an exit ramp when Anthony De Francesco, 34, a driver, failed to negotiate the exit ramp. The impact burst the aluminum skin of the trailer body, smashing 100 to 200 cases of scotch and spewing broken bottles, gurgling their contents into the gutter alongside the capsized vehicle. Look, 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 look. All that, you know, all that stuff is going down the gutters there. Thousands and thousands of gallons. The aroma born on a chill breeze. Well, now, if you know anything about Exit 13 on the Jersey Turnpike, there's plenty of aromas in that area. In fact, that's probably the aroma capital of the world. And uh, they got them all all types there, but all of a sudden these guys driving along the turnpike at Noon were smitten in their nose by an aroma that did not smell at all like the usual Jersey stench that uh, rises uh, (laughs) out of the uh, forward-looking progressive industries in that area there. That's right. Well, uh, the aroma born on a chill breeze along with the spectacle of all that scotch gurgling around and all them bottles flying in the whole bit, see, caused drivers to brake sharply. Hey, they stopped, in other words. It's the Times' way to say braking sharply means they stopped quick, gazing in mild shock at the tumble of white cases bearing the John Begg Scotch label. On the heels of troopers Raymond Wisneck and Al Petracha, who mounted guard while the intact cases were loaded into another truck came agents of the U.S. Treasury Department. They had to ascertain if federal taxes on the shipment had been paid. Hey, <laughs> George. The agents found that the excise had been paid. I can see. Them, oh, darn it. Oh, gee whiz. And they looked at the stamp and they left the cleanup problem to the cleanup crews. Police, throughout the remaining daylight hours stood guard, and throughout the hours, drivers exiting from the turnpike at the scene slowed up to savor the sight and to uh, amazingly offer their help. Jersey drivers are not known for that ordinarily. But uh, this brought, uh, you know, you hit them where they lived. I'll hell, yeah, I'll help you guys. Clean up the mess. Here, I got a jug here. I'll I'll scoop up. Well, uh, there it was. Excitement on the turnpike. And uh, that reminds me of the time I mean, hey, everything in life reminds me of something. But uh, did you hear about the time out in in uh, in a town in uh, Indiana, Monon, Indiana, a little tiny town, Monon, Indiana, which is uh, which is a little tiny town, and it's a it's a very religious town, as a matter of fact. If you know anything about little towns in Indiana, oh, I will tell you, night and day you can hear the sound of t- thumping tubs and trumpets blowing and rattling tambourines. Oh, yeah. Uh, You can hear the shouts of the evangelists going on and day. Well, a great big tractor-trailer was roaring through Monon, Indiana, right in the middle of the afternoon when there's a lot of kids coming out of school. all of a sudden, this guy blew a tire. You know, he careened off, as they always say in the papers, he careened off the road. His tractor-trailer bumped into a tree on the side that flipped over, and the top of it just spilled open. And for the next six hours, excitement, amazement, anger, frustration, uh, moralizing, God knows what, rained in on Indiana. You know what the truck contained? Are you ready for it? $1.3 million Playboy center foldouts. Just the center foldouts. And by the way, these were about to be processed, these center foldouts. There's some work they do on them before some of the center foldouts are actually published that deals with the airbrush. And uh, nevertheless, the wind caught these center foldouts and blew millions and millions of pictures of uh, ladies uh, wearing nothing but a uh, sneaky smile. It <laughs> blew all over Monon County. <laughs> it was a bad, windy day, <laughs> and little kids, like five-year-old kids, were picking these things up and running. Hey, Mama, look! You know. <laughs> and uh, that—that that, you—you think, well, that's not so exciting. Well, it was exciting in Monon, Indiana. It would be exciting, believe me, in Summit, New Jersey, if it happened. But if you if you know anything about Monon, it was one block down, by the way, from the first Pentecostal Baptist Holy Roller church that had happened. There was a lot of excitement. Oh, they thundered from the pulpit after that. but yeah oh, I'll tell you. well, uh, did you hear about did you hear about the uh, the big uh, trailer tractor crash they had here the other day? I think it was again on a turnpike, another one. It wasn't a very spectacular crash except the truck just flipped over. And the next thing you know, like $12 billion worth of brand-new nickels. Yeah, it was a treasury truck uh, carrying a whole truckload of nickels. And they just flew out in the weeds. And there was a lot of excitement on that one. But uh, have you ever been around when something like that happened? Never. Well, that's the way some people's lives are. They're lives of quiet desperation, a lot of people. Quiet desperation and no excitement. And of course, the other people have lives of total excitement, and they don't have time to be desperate because you're running usually. But uh, I, I, uh, I uh, twice, uh, two occasions, have I been around where something great happened with trucks. And uh, one time I was, uh, I was driving in West Virginia. And the West Virginia has a lot of these winding, snaky, two-lane roads that go up almost vertically up the side of hills, and they go vertically down hills. And I'm, I'm tooling along, say. So and uh, I'm, I'm in this little MG I had, and I'm just directly behind this tremendous tractor trailer. I've been trying to get ahead of this guy for about like, you know, like about a hundred miles, because sometimes a tractor trailer get ahead of you, you just can't pass him. Every time he goes up this hill, you know, boom, 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 and a big clouds of diesel smoke coming back, and you you try to pass the guy, you know, and you tremendous roadblock ahead of you. Which reminds me, this is W O R New York. Listen, will you? Fools and knaves out there quit calling up the station to find out the address and where to order your bird. It's a little silly, you know, for the radio station to be telling you where to buy a bird that flaps its wings and flies. So uh, write it down right now. It's Flying Birds. This is the address. If you don't know what we're talking about, we've got this thing here. It's the craziest commercial I've ever had in my whole life outside of the uh, gypsy fish bait oil, which I once had and uh, also the beautiful Last Supper linoleum tablecloth, which was kind of nice. But... Did I ever tell you about that one? But uh, if, uh, if you haven't heard about these, see, the wild little things that this Frenchman, whose name I will not even attempt to pronounce, Guy de Roenbeck... Anyway, he spent three years trying to invent a bird that would fly. When you wind it up, you wind it up. A little rubber band in it, and it flaps its wings, and off it goes. And it actually flies. It's an ornithopter. And it is guaranteed to fly, which is more than your uncle is. It's guaranteed to fly at whatever altitude you set the little tail to. And I suggest you don't fly this thing much during duck season. Nothing matter than a Jersey hunter that's just shot down a plastic bird, I'll tell you. But uh, nevertheless, uh, if you'd like to order one of these great little things, they're maddening. Uh, I would suggest you put a check or a money order in the mail and don't make it out to me for God's sakes. Make it out to Flying Birds, that's spelled flying, you know how to spell flying. Birds, B U R D S, Flying Birds. Department S. S is in whatever you want to make it in. Department S. P. O. Box 1909, nineteen hundred as they say, nineteen hundred and nine. One nine oh nine. Post office box one nine oh nine. Grand Central Station. New York, New York. Where else? One zero zero one seven. Okay, that's enough for her birds. And uh, you go chugging up this hill, <laughs> and every time I'd sneak out, the car comes right at me. So I'm ducking behind this guy. There's a whole lot of cars behind me, all chugging away. They're trying to get around this tractor trailer. And it was a cold, windy, rainy night. Remember it just just vividly. I, I guess anybody who's driven a great deal cross country has a lot of wild stories to tell. I have. i got thousands of wild things that happen to me and driving all night long. But across country, there a lot of stuff, if you're, if you're a suburban driver, you spend all your time putzing around between that dairy inn and, uh, and uh, you know, wood lawn. And, you know, a big trip is when you take your car all the way in, quote, to the city. That's a big deal. Well, yeah, I'm surprised at the number of New Yorkers who've never really driven. I mean, really driven. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the uh, 20 hours at the wheel. Uh, driving, uh, trying to make it all the way from Olathe, Kansas, to Chicago before the sun comes up. This is a this is another kind of driving. Of course, you see all kinds of stuff. And, and then this night, I'm coming down the the uh, this long, winding, snaky hill. See, and, and I I can see right ahead of me this truck. And he's I'm directly behind him. I'm 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 the first car, and there's a lot of guys winding up behind me. Every time I look in the rearview mirror, I can see these guys making a board of attempts to pass and going back and and we've been behind him now for about four hours, when all of a sudden I see the truck ahead of me. He's going pretty fast. I'm thinking about this. We're going down the hill. I said, gee, this guy's really highballing, it it." see. Well, it wasn't until till, uh, we got a halfway down the hill I realized he wasn't highballing it at all. He'd lost his brakes. And uh, I could see way down below us there was this town. and I thought, oh, my, oh, wow, you know, I could just see this truck just going through town about 95 miles an hour, i say, just absolutely out of control. It was like that uh, Edgar Allan Poe story. Wasn't it Poe? you remember the famous story he wrote? Or was it Stevenson? Famous story about a cannon loose on the decks of a ship. Or below decks, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a ship, you know, when they had these cannons that stuck out the side, the Errol Flynn-type ship. Yeah, that was the Arrow Flynn class, just like they have the Essex class and the Forrestall class. It was the Arrow Flynn class type boat. Had a lot of ropes on it where you could swing on, you know, all that stuff. And and uh, this uh, this uh, story was about a a big cannon that got loose. And the ship was rolling in the storm, and this enormous cannon was like a giant live monster. It just kept rolling back and forth. And it was killing guys. I mean, roll, and they're trying to stop it. Did you ever hear that story? Well, that uh, reminded me of this uh, this uh, scene with the truck. I could see this guy trying to get control of the truck, see? And uh, he's, he, he isn't doing it, and so he throws it into different gears. I can, uh, I can hear him shifting gears, and wow, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was wild. And he's, he's going faster and faster, and I start waving out the window at the, at the cars behind me. Look out, you know, something's happening up ahead there. So I could see lights flickering, guys that are looking out of the cars and stuff. And he's roaring ahead when all of a sudden he decided he better do it. I got to hand it to the guy. He had fantastic guts. He he decided he better do it before it was too late, before he went into town at at 200 miles an hour. And he jackknifed purposely. You know, what is it, a jackknife? Well, maybe some people don't. A jackknife is when the the semi-tractor trailer... Literally, jackknifes. You know, the front of it goes one way and the back goes another. It just bends in the middle there. So he jackknifed, and this truck just went out. It was like watching a slow-motion movie. I saw the, the cab veer off as he tried to jackknife, and then I saw the, the, the huge trailer swing out into the other lane. Of course, he did it making sure there were no cars coming at him, see? And he swung out the other lane, and the the, the great big this tremendous, uh, enormous uh, trailer body just slowly edged over, and it's going sideways now down the road. It edged over and just boom! And it lay on the side and just slid down this fantastic uh, grade, with the with the truck body sort of whipping back and forth. The tractor, see, whipping back and forth, and it was just like a little dog attached to this enormous weight. And then it slowed up and stopped. And just as it did, the top of the truck, which was now almost facing me, it spun as it, as it slid down. The top of the truck just peeled back like an enormous can of sardines. You know, the sardine just peeled back. Just brrrr, when the load just went pouring out and down the side of a mountain. There was a mountain that went down maybe maybe 500 feet, a great grade, right down. And this, the whole load went sailing down. And it was the first time that I got wondering what the heck was in the truck. say so it was a load. What a disappointment. It must have been it must have been five million. I never saw so many in my life. A gigantic load that went sailing down and they were all paper cups. He had a load of paper cups. Millions of paper cups. I mean, these little wax type you know, these little paper cups little ones to kind of use in hospitals they weren't even big ones they were little ones and they just went down this hill like a an enormous snowstorm it's just like a great wave because they were in some kind of big cartons which just broke all up and this thing just these cups just went sailing down and the wind was blowing and these cups went up in a great wave in the air <laughs> thousands and thousands of cups and all these cars are slewing would stop behind me the cups are drifting down and this guy got out of the truck. I stopped. I pulled over to the side, and he crawled out of the truck. He was not hurt, and uh, he, was, he was shaking. So he got out of the truck, and he, he said his brakes went. He said, my brakes went. That's how I could say it. My brakes went. And there he stood amid a drift of paper cups. It was like a Santa Claus standing there with the cups all drifting up around him. Oh, God, what a mess. I I just slowly pulled out and went down. And to me, already you could see lights coming from the town with the red U lights and the cops coming up and the truckers and everything else moving in. And I just looked down over the great drift. There must have been a million paper cups. I don't know how many paper cups you can get in a giant semi-tractor trailer, but it has to be a million or better. And all of them had spilled down this mountain. I could see, looking down the side of the mountain, And it was in late fall. There was no snow on the ground. Just late fall. And it looked like an enormous ski run. It's a fantastic sight. And and it went down, way down, like hundreds of feet down the mountain. You could see this great river of paper cups drifting down. But the greatest uh, scene I ever saw like that was a scene which, uh, I just got to tell you the scene. It was was a a wild scene. And... uh, because if you look if you do much uh, tra- uh, cross country driving you see these great trucks doing this stuff you don't, you don't see uh, you don't see it uh, happen much in the city because the truck is going very slowly in the city naturally but you see uh, you see these great these great actions occur Well, one night i'm a kid this was this was in the i just a kid seeing i've got my first car and uh boy I, I, even to this day i love driving there's some people just say t- driving is a is a thing you do as a functional thing, And I always feel sorry about people like that because they're missing a lot of the a lot of the feeling of it that to, to drive and to enjoy driving, to love the feel of the wheel and to to uh, get this great sense of movement and and uh, freedom and everything else you get with driving uh, is just completely lost on a lot of people. I think these are basically sedentary people or sedentary, if you prefer that. They're basically uh, behind sitters. Uh, and they, they, to them, uh, driving is a drag, you know, to go someplace. But I love it. So I'm right in the middle of this, and I, I used to take my car out, and I was always driving whenever I could scratch up enough money for gas and stuff. I was always going somewhere, and and on this particular night, again, it involved a viaduct, a big hill, and I'm I'm uh, coming down a viaduct, which is a great long slanting uh, grade. Now you know what is it, a viaduct? Well, a viaduct in this particular case was a, was a spectacular one. It's one of the biggest I've ever seen to this day. And it's a huge viaduct that crosses thousands and thousands and thousands, one of the great railheads of the country. It, it goes over thousands, literally thousands of railroad tracks. It's a tremendous place where all the railroads in the country come together in one place. And it's right on the south end of Lake Michigan, way just way south, on the south tip of chicago well actually it's out of the chicago limits but it's it's right where all the rails come together this enormous freight yards and this great uh, this great viaduct crosses all of them it's about two miles long and it has it's very high and so when you come up this viaduct you go up this long grade and, and uh, then of course when you get up the top of it it's level for a while, then it slowly goes down. It looks like a, it looks like a, an oversized Triborough Bridge, if you can imagine a big Triborough Bridge. is really a big one. So, uh, and it's got a good long grade on it, uh, coming down. So I'm coming down the grade, and right at the bottom of this grade, uh, at the bottom, right, right, almost, almost at the very foot of the grade, a big highway crossed. In other words, we we're coming down to a big intersection. You see. With big lights and the whole bit. Well, here I am. I'm, I'm sitting at the top of this this grade, and I'm, I'm I'm beginning to slant down, and I'm I'm moving along. And there weren't a lot of cars at that time. There were a few cars coming coming down this this uh, grade, and I'm 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 about a halfway down. You could see for long distances, see from this grade. By halfway down, all of a sudden, it was fantastic. I, I never. <laughs> it was a real wild moment. I was on the inside lane when suddenly a car went roaring right down the inner lane. That was the one near the center line. It just went roaring down. The guy must have been going 70, just fantastic, maybe 80, and he just roared down. It was, because you know this was a big, uh, heavy traffic area. It's pretty wild. It's like a guy going across the, the, uh, well, going across the Triborough Bridge, going 90. That would be pretty exciting. Well, uh, that's what it was like. See, so this guy just went, Ooh, ow! he goes roaring past me. And there were two guys in it, and they, they were obviously bagged to the ears because at that split second I saw him, and one guy's got the door open of his car. They're sitting there with the door open, and, and they're, you know, they're pie-eyed. They're sitting there, and I can just see it. And they roar down this this uh, fantastic grade. This is roar down. And they're going straight down the viaduct. I can look down. I can see them going straight down well, down below, the light has just changed to red for us. In other words, we're supposed to stop down there. Well, ain't no way those guys are going to stop. They're going about 75, 80, 85, and they're just going hell-bent for election. Well, I see from my right coming along. I look out quickly, see, and this here's this big street that crosses down there. I see a couple of cars coming along, but I see... A tremendous tanker, an enormous, you know, these, these big tankers, you know, the kind that carry gasoline or something. It's an enormous one. This thing stretched. It had two big tanks on the back, you know, the kind that come with two. And He had this big tractor up ahead, and he's chugging away there, and he's getting up speed, see, because the light has just changed green for him. So he's going to go through the intersection. And boom, 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 boom. I see him, more and it was like watching a great tragedy. You know, one of the things that's so fascinating about a Greek tragedy is the inevitableness of tragedy. And you see it slowly happening, inch by inch. And a Greek tragedy is not tragic unless it involves something big. And it's an inexorable event. I mean, really big. And so, I mean, uh, who cares, you know, if the local, uh, unless his family cares, you know, the local shoemaker gets involved and gets knocked off by the tough guys but when it's the king, that's something else. So I see this guy going. He's just roaring down towards the intersection. And the car is, if anything, going faster because they're getting down near the bottom of the intersection and and the gravity is taking over and centrifugal force. Not only were they going fast because they had their foot on the floorboard, but, they, but they're, they're going fast because now they're bo- near the bottom of the hill and they're really rolling. And I see that truck. And this truck is just totally unawares because he can't see this car because, you see, he's coming from the right, and the cars that are stopped now for the light shield him from the sight of this car which is whistling down the inner lane. He can't see it at all. I don't know what to do. There I am. I, and I, I'm watching this thing. It was like watching a uh, some kind of a fantastic uh, snake or something. I, I couldn't uh, just, just completely uh, mesmerize it. And sure enough, the truck goes through. He's he's about two thirds of the way through the through this intersection. He's now moving across, and all the lights around him. this place was well lit up. See all the lights around it, and he's he's now halfway through, maybe two thirds of the way. He's just point, he's got the whole thing blocked. When this guy apparently at the last second saw it, and he made a wild move, and it's, of course he couldn't stop. But instead of hitting him straight on. He hit him at at about a, oh, I'd say at about a a 40-degree angle, a glancing blow. He just went, boom. (laughs) He hit him, and he sailed off across the intersection ahead of the tractor trailer. See, he just went, shot out. He glanced and went off to the left, see. Well, the trailer was hit a real shot, see, but he was hit a glancing shot. Very interesting. Well, then it began to unfold. It was like, it was like, uh... It was just it, well, it was it was like watching a, a strange movie, uh, a, a really surreal movie. This truck just sort of staggered for a second, and the car shot across the road. And standing at the corner of the road, there, these guys had just closed it. They were really lucky. There was nobody in it. Was one of these A and W root beer stands. It's a hot dog joint. See, A and W root beer. And it was just closed for the night. Apparently, they closed every night, about five or something. And there it was. It was closed up. Well, he, this car went whipping through the driveway. Just went, blah! He just went sailing through the driveway. And of course, pieces are flying off the car. They really hit this uh, place a shot, see? And they go into this hot dog stand, absolutely full tilt. They did not hit it a glancing blow. They hit this baby straight on. And it just went, boom, boom, boom. And it was a... a Tremendous roar. I could hear the roar. And you saw stuff flying. (laughs) I mean, hot dogs, everything. The stuff was flying. The car completely disappeared. And the front of the hot dog stand just slowly sank down. It was just completely collapsing like a bomb hit it. It just sank down and just kind of exploded from the outward. Well, the truck now... The guy can't stop the truck. The truck is moving. You know, he's uh, he's got well, apparently a tremendous load, and all the while, all the cars are slowing up. See, I'm one of the cars that is stopping. The truck is now slewing sideways. He it's been hit such a shot that he can't control it, and the truck is sliding just like a like a like oh it's it's like an avalanche. It's just sliding down that road just sideways when it just. Like slow motion, it just went over on its side. Boom. And he slid for about 30 feet and stopped. And there it all hung for a second. Just like that. And we were all watching. Fascinating. All the guys in the cars are watching. Of course, they expect everybody's killed, and the whole bit, you know. What suddenly, two guys come staggering out like instantly. They, they were pie-eyed. One guy still had his bottle of... of of uh, fighting cock or whatever he had, see. (laughs) He comes staggering out of this place, these pie-eyes, see. And the other guy comes staggering, they're both staggering out, see. They're both drunkard and coots and absolutely unharmed. They just staggered out. (laughs) And and with that, there was a sound. Because there was a a silence that that hung over this scene. It was one of the most dramatic moments I've ever seen in my life. It was total silence. And because it all—it stunned everybody so much, there were no horns blowing, nothing. Everybody was watching, and it was just, after the two crashes. First, the, the root beer joint, and the truck. The two giant crashes made everything sound like it was a dead silence, and it was. The two guys come staggering out, and then a sound. Everybody in the in the line heard it. It just went. <coughs> a giant gurgling sound. And I'm sitting in my car with the window open and it hit me, a fantastic wave. So it hit me so much, the smell of this, that my head spun. It it, it just made my head go, I I almost went out of my bird. It it must be, you know, like getting high on dope or or not dope, but uh, airplane dope, getting high on glue. It just, permeated everything. this was a tremendous smell of banana oil. Have you ever smelled banana oil? It's, 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 it's one of the most potent smells there is. I mean, it's really a smell. Well, all along the road, there were houses all along, there. people have heard this crash. See, there's a fantastic crash. And of course, these people are used to crashes, apparently, at this intersection because, man, they were, I never saw people come out so quick. Just boom. And the next thing you know, I see doors opening and slamming and guys running out and people running out on their porches, all up and down this main road there where the people are pouring out. And then instantly they ran back in the house. They kept running out again, and now they're all carrying buckets. <laughs> and sure enough, I see out there on the road, glistening in the lights, the neon lights and the red and the green lights of the stoplight were picking it up. There was a lake. It was like a tidal wave pouring out of this truck, and it was going up and down. There was a curb there. You see, this this was not a flat road. It had a curb that ran along it. And in the curb, it was right up to the curb and, in fact, overflowing the curb. And flowing down both sides of the street is this great golden, glistening, shining, aromatic, sickeningly aromatic lake that was just pouring both east and west, just roaring down this road in a great tidal wave. I saw it moving down, and it was a tremendous lake of banana oil. And these people are already out on the streets, and they're late. I don't know what the devil they were going to do with buckets full of banana oil, but they were ladling up buckets and running in the house. The guys are coming out with, with pots, and they're coming out with with the cups and thermos bottles. And the truck driver got out, and he climbs up on the top of this truck. Now, the truck driver, he doesn't know what's happened. So he climbs out of the cab, and he's, st- he's standing up on top of it, and he sees this lake just pouring out as far as the... I could see, and he sat down on the top of the truck, and he holds his head. <laughs> he just sat there with his head holding. He said, oh, my God, now how am I going to explain this back in the office? You know. Well, the people are just charging out, and he's two drunks. Now the tidal wave has struck them. And these guys are knee-deep in banana oil. These two drugs, I don't know what, the, you know, their the befuddled mind, what was going through their heads. They, here they are, all of a sudden, they're in the middle of the banana oil. And one guy had, uh, he had rolls were coming out of the A&W joint. Hot dogs were floating in the banana oil. And these guys, one guy's got a bottle. And, they, and I, I don't know why they did it, but they did it. One guy started to sing in the silence. Well, all of this took place in less than a minute. The whole fantastic scene. Well, guys are now jumping out of the cars, all up and down the, up and down the road. See, and you know it's funny how you get swept away in a thing like this. They're jumping out of their cars. The guy behind me, he jumps out and he's got a, he's got a gas can. You know, he carries a gas can. He's, got, he's running down the road. See, he runs past the car he says, "Banana oil, banana oil, hey, banana oil." He's running down the road. Well, I get swept up in it like everybody else. See, so I look in the back, and, and this old Ford that I had, you know, you had all kinds of cans of oil and stuff. Well, I had a can that I used for draining oil. It was laying on the back of the, uh, on the floorboard, see, in the back seat. So I grabbed this can, and I run down there. See, everybody's scooping up the damn banana oil. And there's a big, it's a lake. It's about three feet deep, but it's deepest. And it's it's just flowing out all over the whole place. Now you, it's it's so far down the road. This guy must have had probably a million gallons or seven hundred thousand anyway, gallons of pure banana oil. Well, I scoop up some banana oils. <laughs> Whoa! It was so strong that that my eyes were watering. It was just you couldn't breathe. It was just like gasping with this stuff. Uh, I've never smelled anything like it before or since. Just fantastic smell. And people are running down the street and they're yelling in the crowds. And and the trucker just sat there with his head saying, well, sure enough, down the road comes this U-light. You can see the red lights coming and the cops are jumping out of the car. All right, all you guys, move on. Get out of here. Come on, pour that bucket. And, of course, they saw immediately that the crowd was out of hand and nothing they could do about it. I mean, the, the banana oil frenzy was on the people. I mean, when the people want banana oil, they're going to get banana oil. Well... (laughs) <laughs> I, I came back to my car, and, and there, obviously nobody's hurt down there. I came back to my car, and I've got this jug of banana oil. Well, I drove home. I, I went down around and cut down a side street, and I finally get back to the house. And uh, here I am, about 17, something like that, 16, and i got this wild story to tell. And I, I I reached in the back of the car, and, and I'm picking up the banana oil. Well, I don't know whether you know anything about banana oil. Banana oil is not only very aromatic, it has curious physical properties. It is probably the, slipper, the slipperiest stuff that's ever been made. It's unbelievably slippery. It's slipperier than real oil. So I reached down, and I picked this thing up, and sure enough, It slipped right out of my hand. The can is all drenched with the stuff. See, I reach down. It goes all over the back of my car. It's banana oil. Oh, banana oil. I rush out of the house. See, I'm looking for rags. I come running into the house, and my mother says, what's the matter, what's the matter? I said, quick, 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 rags, give me some rags, quick, tell Randy, hurry up, we got to help me, oh, 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 rags, she says, what's the matter, what's the matter, she says, quick, rags, don't talk, give me rags, and she's, rags, rags, okay, so she's looking for rags, and of course, naturally, couldn't find any rags, and I says, quick, quick, and I run down the base, we used to keep rags. rag, quick, quick, give me some rags, rags, tell Randy rags, she says, what's the matter, I says, banana oil, it's all over my car, banana oil, she says, What? I said, banana oil, it's all over my car. She says, banana oil. I said, yeah, banana oil, quick. Well, <laughs> we ran out of the house. My mother is in her bathroom, my kid brother. And we've got, you know, rags and sponges, anything we can get. And we're sponging up the banana oil. And, they, of course, now they're caught up. They're sponging up like mad. They never asked me what happened. You know, how come the banana oil? They're sponging up banana oil. Well, ever since that time. That car, of course, was ruined. I have to tell you that that banana oil was the identifying characteristic of that car from the day that happened to the day I got rid of it. It smelled like banana oil. I mean, really, nothing I could do. I I did everything. You know, I tried to to do anything, anything to make that smell go, because after a while it begins to get you really sick, and so I finally discovered the only way I could possibly go without getting a headache was to keep the windows open. Winter and summer, I drive, you know, temperature 20 below zero. I don't give a damn. That was better than the banana oil. And, and I used to take girls to the show and dates like this. What, what is that smell? I said, well, I don't know. It must be something in the neighborhood. I never told them, you know, the car stinked the banana oil completely. Well, from that day on, that, that, that was not the only thing. From that day on, for years after that, people would talk about the great banana oil craze. That hit that part of, it was East Chicago the, 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 the great craze of banana oil. Now I don't know what people did with the banana oil. I, I never figured out what you do with it you know a two gallon jug of banana oil. but the banana oil craze, the, the, the whole the whole nutty night it became a sort of legend. People say, oh yeah, well, that was just about the time they had the banana oil. Uh, the banana oil spilled all over East Chicago and you'd say, yeah, yeah it was that time. Oh yeah, I remember that It was just at the time that Fred traded in his Chrysler. You know, that's the way people keep their history, you know, by big events. Well, any time, especially in the summertime when the sun would get hot, I imagine it's even there today. You drive through that intersection, you smell the faint smell now of banana oil. And I'm sure the people who came later to that area, they don't know why. They just think there must be a banana oil factory somewhere. It was the night the two drunks came staggering out of the A&W root beer stand with that jug of wine that stood knee-deep, in the giant sea of aromatic oil. Yes. Nice. Legends are stuff of which lives are spun, friends. Speaking of legends, don't forget that Mercury record, you pick it up. Or else forever hold your peace. The declassified Gene Shepherd on Mercury. You get it. Or I'll break your neck. You hear that? York, stay tuned for Lester Smith of the News.